Yes, it's your hand, I did it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Fathers, we stand, I stand here. We want to thank you. We stand in the presence of the living God. Oh God, I thank you for such a time as this. I thank you, Lord, that you are shifting you're shifting things upon the earth and you're causing your purposes which are written in the heavens to be accomplished upon the earth and you're preparing for yourself, Lord, a company of those who accomplish your will and do it with exactness in these days. And I want to thank you, Father, that right now you are drawing across the face of the earth, a company of those who've got written in their hearts a willingness to go to the death to see life produced. I thank you, Lord, right now that you are calling out a different kind of person for a different kind of battle. You are calling forth a different kind of person who will have a different kind of victory. And Lord, I want to thank you, Father, that we are recipients, even as we sit in this room this day, of your magnificence and of your goodness and of your generosity of giving. And Lord, right now we, we say we receive. We receive from you. We receive all that we need for this hour, for this time. We receive a fresh anointing. We receive fresh impartations. We receive, Father, instructions written in heaven. We receive those instructions, Father. And we will run the race upon this earth to accomplish your will in these end times. Father, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the young people who you are raising up, who hear your sound, the sound of heaven, who are answering that trumpet call. Lord, who hear the sound of the turtle dove. Lord, who hear the sound of springtime in the air, who hear the sound of change, of seasons. Oh God, we thank you, Father. We say, Lord, there is a shifting of season. There is a shifting of times. Lord, there are epochs moving, Father. Lord, we just want to bless you, Father. We live at such a time as this, and we yield ourselves to your spirit, Father for your anointings, for your instructions, for understanding, for revelation and enlightenment, that, Father, we should be what we should be at this time. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, O oh Lord, let the Esters come forth let the Esthers come forth, O oh Lord, who prepared to die for your purposes to be accomplished, for nations to be changed, for, for those who are under sentence of death to be rescued, for such a time as this, for such a time as this. Father, we call it forth.
Anoint us, Lord, and empower us in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Would you open your Bible with me, please? I'm going to talk to you about two things. And if you must have notes, <laughs> my little problem. <laughs> Page 31 is where I'm at. Producing spiritual children. The bit that goes before has got lots and lots of facts. And one fact I want to pull out for you, you can't covet another person's gift. And I just want to say to you, remember Simon the sorcerer. Remember Simon the sorcerer. Don't covet somebody else's gift. I want to say this to you. Have realist, realistic expectations. Know the difference between calling and ambition. Ask the Lord. Know the difference between calling and ambition. If it's the calling of God, God will provide for all of your calling. He's got enough to make your calling complete. But if it's an ambition, that'll only be fulfilled through the works of the flesh. And you'll never be satisfied. The Lord gives spiritual children. Just like in the natural, he gives children. They're the blessing of God, the gift of God. And the Lord gives spiritual children in the same way. They're a gift of God, never a blessing of God. And because it's in the same category as your natural children, your natural children don't ask to be born. They don't even have a chance to choose their parents, poor things, half of them. They, they are the gift of God to these parents. Your spiritual children are in the same category. And if in one way they don't ask to be your spiritual children, it's an ordaining from heaven. God does something supernatural. And he joins. He accomplishes something which can never be done in the natural because it's a spiritual activity. Not all spiritual children, as in the natural, have the same measure of calling and destiny. You who've got children more than one, you realize all come from the same womb, all brought up in the same home, but all absolutely different. It's true, isn't it? They have different abilities, different callings, different ambitions, different inclinations, different reactions. They're all absolutely different. Sometimes you wonder how on earth it happens, but they're different. But just in the as in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Our spiritual children are different. Not all have the same capacity. Not all have the same calling. Not all have the same destiny. Not all will have the same giftings or, or abilities. They are different. Spiritual children receive different measures of impartation because of their differences. They'll receive different measures of that impartation. And it seems to me that there's no other reason for this other than the Lord ordains some to have more than another. And in our way of looking at things, that doesn't seem fair. But 
God just ordains some to have more than somebody else. And it's hard for those who look, who covet, and would want the more. But we are not in charge of all these things. God gives, God imparts, and God does that miraculous joining. Just as in the natural, children grow by being loved. They grow straight if they're loved. Just as in the spiritual, it's the same. The relationship is a love relationship, and the children grow by being loved. The father-son relationship is not a formal, organizational thing. It's family. Paul with Timothy, what did he say? Beloved son, true son in the faith. Titus, a true son in, co in the common faith. Just affectionate, loving, endearing terms. Because it was, it was genuine. It was family. It wasn't some organizational thing. In the natural, your children go to school every day and they get all kinds of impartations from all kinds of places. Some good, some bad. In the spiritual, children can receive from many sources. Some will be better than others, but it's possible for spiritual children to receive from many sources, not just one. Now I want to home you in, in your thinking this afternoon, upon Jesus. And I want us to look in John's Gospel and chapter 12. John's Gospel and chapter 12, verse 24. Well, I might go back a little bit here, because in verse 20, something was happening, and I see this as the something that's happening in this nation at this time. Greeks were coming up to worship the feast, verse 20 of, 40, of um, chapter 12. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and they asked him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And Andrew came and told, um, Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour's come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The hour's come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Suddenly, just the information that the these Greeks, these Gentile people were seeking Jesus, suddenly there's a shift. And Jesus talks about the hours come to be glorified. Something's happened. Now's the time for him to die. Just because these Gentiles are seeking him. What's happened? There's a shift. There's a shift in the heavenly time and season. Th that which has been is accomplished and a new thing is beginning. The shift has come with the Gentiles seeking the Lord Jesus. We're in a time, we're in a time when the worldwide harvest of souls is to be reaped. We're in a time when the Lord from heaven, the Lord of the harvest, has declared, send forth the laborers into the harvest. And those laborers are going forth into the harvest, even if it means they go to their certain death, they're going to the harvest. Something is gripping the hearts of men and women and all through the nations of the face of the earth, especially in those nations where the harvest has never been reaped. Something is happening. I tell you, a shift has happened in the heavenly realm. Something which was has come to an end. A new thing is happening. And it takes a new anointing for a new day. 
The harvest of the earth is not going to be reaped except something miraculous takes place in the church. We here in the United States don't see that miraculous something. We don't see people willing to die. We see them seeking luxury, seeking a way out, seeking something for themselves. But in other nations on the face of the earth, something glorious is taking place. It's gripping people. They're prepared to die for this Jesus who has died for them. They're prepared to die that others might have that life. It's so valuable to them. A shift is taking place. And if you've got any spiritual antennae, I say put them up and sense what the Spirit of God is doing in these days. Sense what he's saying. Sense what he's doing. And understand that you have to shift. There has to be a shift on the inside of you to bring you into line with what God is doing right now in the earth. Now is the time. Now is the time. These Greeks sought Jesus. And once that news got to the ears of the Lord Jesus Christ, the hour has come for the Son of Man that he should be glorified. And then he goes on to say, The most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Here we've been talking about the Father's blessing. What is the Father's blessing? I believe the Father's blessing is not just you being blessed. The Father's blessing is bringing him much glory. The Father's blessing surely must go beyond me. It has to go to him. Surely this Father's blessing is going to produce that which the Father is looking for upon the face of the earth, that for which Jesus died. Surely it's going to bring forth the harvest. Surely the blessing of the Father upon us is going to do an expanding work within us so that we are fitted for these end times. Jesus, he said something. He knew something. He knew the hour had come. Glorification. See, it was interesting. He didn't say, the hour's come for me to die. The hour's come for me to be glorified. Did you know dying brings glory? Dying brings glory. And it isn't just when Jesus dies it brings glory. When you and I die, it can bring glory. And God's looking for a lot of dying so there can be a lot of glory. And these days are going to call out for a people who would die. Die to their programs, die to themselves, die to their ambitions, die to the me, me, me thing, so that he can bring much glory to him. Jesus elaborates here. Unless this grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain, much fruit. And that's what we're looking for, isn't it? We're looking for the much. We're looking for the so much more. And it's the only way to get the so much more is dying. And I believe that we've got a massive key here. And I don't think we understand this. You see, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ was always to give his life away. What a thought. Just to give it away. The purpose was just to produce so much more. And that was his, his whole desire. Let me give my life away so that I can produce some more. And if we're going to produce spiritual children, I tell you, you've got to have that heart. Let me give my life away 
so that I can produce so much more. Let me give my life in to other people. Come on. You know, if you just think some, when they're younger, they're going faster. Except me. <laughs> when, they, when they're younger, they're moving faster. They've got more potential. They've got more years ahead of them. So they've got the possibility and the potential of doing so much more. They've got the ability to tune into this time and this age and to be utterly relevant to this time. And so, isn't it wise? Isn't it just plain common sense? Wouldn't it be business sense, let alone spiritual sense, to invest in that which is going to make the most? And that which is going to give most glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe this is what the Lord Jesus is saying to us. It's time for the grain of wheat to fall into the ground so that it can produce so much. And I'm going to invite you, let that be your hard attitude. That which is in me, I will plant it in other people and let it produce much. I will find good soil to put it into. I'll do that. When Jesus died, he's... Dying Jesus' way, according to these scriptures, was a response to expansion. When he saw the opportunity for expansion, his response, come on, I'm dying. This is, what, this is going to make way for expansion. It was the way to obtain glory. It was the way to keep your life. If you're going to keep it, you'll lose it. But if you die, you'll keep it. So it's the way to keep life. It was the way to serve him. It was the way to be honored. All this is in these few verses here. Jesus says, come on, you die. Let it, rem it will remain alone unless it dies. And then it will produce much grain. And he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. This same attitude has to be in those who are spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Their prime concern is to bring Jesus maximum glory. And so they impart their lives into others for multiplication. This is the way we serve him. This is the way it brings him honor. So it's not me and how good I am or how good my ministry is or how many opportunities I get for me. That's not the issue. The issue is his glory, his multiplication, so that his purposes are done upon the earth, so that the harvest is reaped, so that there's a multiplying of workers, so that we can say, we don't just say, pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field. We will produce those workers by sowing our lives into them. All of this calls for selflessness. And that's a commodity which is in short supply in the American church. And we need to have an embracing of selflessness. It's not about me. It's not about my ministry. It's not about how good I look. It's not about even me getting better at what I do. That's all trivial. It's the most important thing is about his glory. Uh, his glory his expansion, his satisfaction, his delight, his joy. And at the end of the day, that he would smile upon us and we would give him incredible joy. That's really what it's about. A 
I sometimes say that to the Lord. I just want to, and I'm sitting there just praying and I'm just talking to the Lord and I'm just saying to him, oh Lord, I just want you to be so happy being with me. I just want you to enjoy me, Lord. I want to give you so much joy. And I believe that's what he wants. He wants it from each one of us that we would delight his heart by the openness and the givingness of our heart. It's going to require that you do some things. You empty yourself of yourself. You go, you go, come on, we have to do this. When Jesus, like the corn of wheat, went into that ground to die, he wasn't caring about himself or his own ministry. He was caring about the Father's glory, other people. It calls for a true giving away of yourself to the extent that you never, that you never will have it again. There was a time in my life, and I'm telling you the truth, when I laid hands on a certain person and I prayed for them, God had told me I was to impart to this person. And he didn't tell me quite what I was to impart, but he told me I was to do this, and I'd been waiting for some months to do it, knowing it wasn't quite the time and sensing the time. And there came a time when I knew it was right. And I laid my hands upon this person. It was as if I emptied myself in giving to this person. Now, this will sound strange to you because the following day, I remember getting up and thinking, well, what am I going to do now? <laughs> um, grow roses or something? <laughs> really, really, really felt I'd given everything away so completely. I, I, I felt as if I had given everything away so completely. That I really felt as if I had nothing left. And I just really wondered, well, how do I live my life now? <laughs> but it didn't quite happen that way. <laughs> I discovered that, you know, you can't outgive God. You literally can't outgive God. And He just comes back and gives you and gives you and gives you again. But I, I want to encourage you. There's something that He's calling you to a true giving away, not just of, oh, I impart to you a spirit of intercession. You know. That might be good. That might be all that God's calling you to do. But, you know, we read this in the previous session, Paul imparted his own life, himself. Gave him own, his own self. Now, okay, you make a list of what's yourself. Your gifts, your ambitions, your calling, the prophetic words you've got which are all wrapping up your hopes and your destiny and the things you're looking for. Everything, you know, all kinds of things. What is you? I'm talking about the spiritual you, as well as all the abilities and the training and the areas you've become practiced. What is you? Paul gave 
very self with life. And I believe if we would start doing that, we could make a, a wealthy, rich next generation. Why should they have to wait when it's waiting here to be given? Be too selfish to give. I believe God's calling us to a new level of abandoned giving. Giving of some of the most costly things that you have, your hopes, your aspirations, and then just wait and see what God will do. And through this, it will produce much fruit, much fruit. Who knows where it will go to? I'll tell you one thing, it will go beyond you. It will go beyond you. Arrows always go beyond you. When you shoot an arrow, it goes beyond. It's intended to do so. Elisha had double portion. It's bigger. And I believe God's calling us to that. Come on, let's give. Let's give. Give yourself away to the extent that you'll never have it again. Now that's calling you to something. I gave myself away to the extent that I thought I'd never stand and preach ever again. I truly did. I really, it was so, such a reality. I would never, ever preach the word given myself away. But come on, God. God will do something miraculous if we will have such a generosity of spirit. Dead to your calling, your own ministry, your destiny, your hopes, your dreams. Jesus' death in reality is our example. You impart only at the prompting of the Spirit. This is the true generational transference. It requires the person who imparts to be solely focused upon the one whom he imparts into. I want to tell you, Jesus is solely focused upon you right this moment. He wants to impart his word deep in your heart and unsettle you. He'll unsettle you to such a place so that you're no longer comfortable with building the thing. Even your ministry are looking better than the one next door or this or that. He'll unsettle you. Imparting his word into you. written here, you can only give to your spiritual children what you have. If you haven't got anything, I tell you, you're not going to get much. You can only give what you've got. And that behoves every one of us sitting here who are leaders. We better have something to give. I tell you. And it's not found other than in his presence. And if you're not spending that time there, in the place of receiving, you're not going to have anything to give. And I'll, at this point, come on, 
the end of this teaching time we've got tomorrow morning, which is a very important impartation time. But at the end of this teaching time, we better hear. I need something to give. And I know that's what every one of you say. And we need obedience of spirit so that that which God speaks into us becomes the reality of our lives. The most valuable thing you can do for your spiritual children is to pray for them. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, that's what Paul said, I just constantly, continually pray for you. And that is the most valuable thing you can do. I just want to go on and just talk about one other quick thing, and I will be finished. I want to say to you, choose your spiritual children very, very carefully. Choose those who've got <clears throat> productive and receptive hearts, first of all. Choose those where you find, I'm saying a DNA match, I've put in those notes. Well, you know what I mean? Where you, you, you're going in the same direction. Choose those who speak the same spiritual language, who are having the same calling, the same yearning of spirit upon them. Seek those where there's a natural joining. You can't force this. This is a natural thing. And you seek those out where there's that natural harmony. You just know this person belongs. Choose those who genuinely want the relationship and who value it and who will love and honor you. Seek those. You, there's no point going in other places. Those who will genuinely want it, value it. Generally, sons and daughters will be destined for a ministry that's similar or more than your own. So seek those. It wouldn't be too much good me having somebody whom I was um, having as a spiritual uh, daughter to me who was involved in, say, um, I'm just saying the compassion ministry because it's not my major area. It wouldn't be too much point for that. It's, it's got to be in the flow where you are at, and God will join you with those people who've got the same sort of flow. Although they are true spiritual children, even, even though you, you lay your hands upon them and you impart to those who are joined with you in heart and have got a similar flow, even though they will, they've got their own calling and their own calling may well take them in directions which don't seem to be quite the same as yours. Okay, you better have a delight in that and you made a, better have an, uh, an, um, an endorsing of that because it doesn't mean that they're going to fulfill your dreams and your visions. You've all heard of mothers and fathers who want to work out their destiny through their children. This is not to happen with our spiritual children. We're not working out our destiny through our spiritual children. We are imparting to them to help them run their destiny. Isn't that true? And we better get that thing straight because you know we can, we can go horribly wrong in that place. So choose those who are prepared to love you and honor you and are destined for a similar ministry to your own. Now, if they inherit the work from you and they begin to take it in a different direction, okay, you better, you better learn to praise the Lord because it may be you've come to the end of your area of revelation. It may be that God wants to take this work further than you can possibly see. And so the point of transference could be a, a point of change. That's not necessarily wrong. It might be the very thing which will um, instill fresh life 
a new vigor into a work when it comes to that point of change. Now that's hard for some people, but I believe we need to understand that this is something which is godly and right. The next generation will make a shift because God is all the time calling them to a relevance for their generation and their time. And so they're all the time the Spirit of God is calling them to be utterly relevant for the season in which they're living. And so every work of God takes a shift to stay relevant. You all have heard of those works which are no longer relevant. They sort of wear out because they didn't move with the Spirit of God. You understand what I'm saying? So if we're going to have a move of God which is relevant for today, there will be changes. It may not be comfortable, but we have to allow that to happen. Many wish to be spiritual sons and daughters. They call themselves such, but they've never been chosen. Some of those people are legitimate relationships or their friends or associates, but they're not actually called into that relationship of being a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter. It's not, that doesn't say one thing's right and the other's wrong. It's just different. But we do need to get wisdom and discern who those people are. In John chapter 2, and verse 22 and 25, talking about the time when many, many people came pushing into Jesus. And it says, Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew what was in them. And you know, we need to be of the same. Many people want to push in. Would you, would you be my spiritual mother? Would you father me? Would, you know, that kind of thing is all the time pushing upon us. And we need to discern. We need to know. We need to hear from God. We can only go where God says we can go. Even with those who are true sons, the manifestation of the impartation may go through many delays. Those delays can be caused by the sovereignty of God. We're on his timetable. And there are failures. Could be failures on the part of the one receiving. Lack of persistence, half-heartedness, worldliness, all kinds of things. And something Adam mentioned this morning, which I thought is incredibly important, not valuing what is available. Familiarity can breed contempt. And that is a sad thing. A very sad thing. You know, when, when we get the opportunity for having an impartation in our lives, we better grab it with both hands because this is the greatest gift that God could be giving to us. In these end days, impartation is incredibly important. You remember that time when Joash... The king, and I know Adam mentioned this, Joash the king came to Elisha. Elisha was dying, and Joash came with all the right words. He said all the right things. My father, my father. He, he even copied the words of Elisha himself when Elijah left. He knew all the right protocol, but his heart wasn't right. His heart wasn't absolutely focused after the purposes of God and receiving from Elijah at that time, Elisha at that time. And so 
he just hit those arrows lightly on the floor and he never pushed through. The impartation of God is an invitation for the Lord to enter into the inner sanctum of your life. But there are people, there are people who've got hindrances at the door. And those, they might say one thing, but they're doing something else on the inside. And it seems to me that the impartation can never come upon that person because of their inner motives. And it looks, and I've written here, it seems as if the door gets misshapen, it gets narrow. There's no way the impartation can come in that person. It's restricted by their inner motives. And there's a stench of their stinking flesh coming out through the door. The impartation of God is looking for a place to come to rest where Jesus, he is at rest. It's looking for a resting place where he can be satisfied. And there seems to be no other reason. No, there's no, nothing in our God that will come upon those who are half-hearted. He will not come upon those who are half-hearted. He's only coming upon those who are earnest and who are seeking. He will not come to those people who have got their motives and their stinking flesh. He's looking for this resting place where all is finished, all is brought to death, where only his light can shine. He's looking for that kind of place. Jesus, our example, went as low as possible to give you and me a, a seat in heaven as high as possible. Jesus went to, right down into hell, the lowest place, to give us a place in the highest place. Why should it be a big problem for us to go low? Come on, let's follow in his ways. There's one way in which God might call you, and you won't like it. It's not comfortable, but he'll call, he'll call you to get underneath somebody else for the purpose of lifting them up. You know, he did that for us, and he might call you to do that. Get down underneath so as you can lift another person up. I'll tell you, that takes work. That takes a deliberate step on your own part where you are going to favor this next generation. And I want to say to you, plan for their greatness. Will you do that? Plan for the greatness of those whom you lay hands upon plan for their greatness. Why shouldn't they be great? You dream it, not for yourself, for them. Plan for their greatness. In God's purpose, everything gets brighter and brighter. There should always be increase. I believe we're living in a day when just like Joshua, who went into that tent, Moses' tent, and he never wanted to come out, we need to call forth 
in this last time, these last days, those people, those sons, those daughters, that generation who just want to stay in his presence, fulfill his will, and be those who will move the generation on in the purposes of God. And I believe you and I ought to be looking for those people and calling them forth in the spirit that that next generation, just the Joshua's, where are they? Where are they? Let's call them forth and let's pour our hearts and our lives into those. They're our future. They're our hope. They're the future and the hope of this nation and the nations represented here. Father, we just want to ask you that you would do a miraculous work in our hearts so that through our lives we would see your purposes being done on the earth. We yield to you, precious Spirit of God, and we say, Lord, take us as a corn of wheat, sow us in the ground, that, Father, there might be much fruit. Oh, God, we need multiplication in these days. We need millions of people who have just loved sick for Jesus walking this earth. Oh, Lord, we need a generation to arise. Father, who would turn back the hordes of wickedness, who will bring a shifting upon the face of the earth, who will cause heaven's smile to come here again. Oh, God, we call forth that generation, Lord. Oh, Father, we sow our lives into that next generation, Father, that they too in their turn would sow their lives, that, Lord God, there will be a perpetual rising up of glory carriers, Father, who love your presence, who carry your glory, who speak of Jesus, and whose lives talk of heavenly things, Father. We call it forth, Jesus. We call it forth. We ask you, our God, that you would do these miraculous things, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let the hand of the Father be upon us, Lord, to bless us with the heart of Jesus that would go and die and go to the lowest place, Father, to lift us up to the highest place. God, let that blessing rest upon us that we'll be blessed with selflessness. We'll be blessed, Father, with the giving heart of our God that we can give and we can give and we can give again. God, have your will done in us and through us. I invite you to say that to the Lord. Have your will done in me and through me. Father, I don't want just knowledge about these things. I want a heart change, Lord, that makes me capable of doing these things. Lord, I don't want to go through ceremonies. I want to go through spiritual realities. I want to experience your presence resting upon us. Father, we want to be genuine representations 
of Jesus' life. We want to be true mothers and fathers. Oh Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father. Your name is Father. Heavenly Father, you fathered us so well. Heavenly Father, you've shown us how a mother loves and how a father loves. Heavenly Father, we love you. your children, born of your love, Lord. Father, we just ask you that we would carry your genes, your DNA, and we'd show you to this needy world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank the Lord for Eileen. Just thank the Lord.